Hi, I'm Victor Milligan. And I'm Jennifer Isabella. We're co-host for Forrester's podcast, What It Means. We're exploring the major changes in the market influencing executive priorities. For today's episode, we're going to play you a presentation from last year's Consumer Marketing Forum. Forrester's VP and Research Director, Sri Sridharan, discusses how to avoid potential pitfalls in your quest to become an insights-driven business. Let's take a listen. Good morning. Thank you for coming back. Um, before I get into this talk on the illusion of insights, um, I want to reassure you, I am not going to pull a rabbit out of a hat or data out of a dashboard on this segment on the illusion of insights. Instead, let me start by sharing a recent conversation that I had with my four-year-old twin girls. This was a random conversation over dinner. One of them asked, Ma, why are headphones called headphones when we wear it on our ears? I take a second to process this question and in an attempt to deflect so that they can get on with dinner and to sound authoritative, I say, they're also called earphones. A few bites of dinner go down and just when I was feeling good about myself for avoiding a barrage of questions, the other one asked, why are they called earphones? Where is the phone? I instantly knew what I was getting into. This was going to be one of those why, why, why type of conversations. But I patiently replied, I said, well, they're called earphones because you can hear from them, you know, like a phone. But it doesn't stop there. The other one goes on to ask, can people make phone calls from earphones? At this point, it was the end of a long day. I was looking at my husband to you know, come in for the save, and I just say no. But it goes on. Then why are they called earphones? I wish I could tell you exactly how this conversation ended, but it was somewhere in between distracting them with dessert and dragging my husband into it. So why am I telling you this? There's nothing like having curious children or nieces or nephews make you aware of just how little you know about simple stuff, like headphones or earphones or whether germs have wings or whether turkeys bite. These type of conversations happen daily in our household. And I'll begin to answer initially confident in my knowledge, only to realize that I'm entirely clueless. I am then embarrassed by my ignorance of my ignorance. It turns out that in psychology, this is called the illusion of explanatory depth. People believe they know way more than they actually do about common things, like how bicycles work or why it rains. It's more common than you and I would like to admit. We as marketers are no exception to this illusion of explanatory depth, which leads us to assumptions we make about consumers and their behavior. Over the years, we've pivoted to data-driven marketing, scientific marketing, and we've used all our data science to actually get extremely confident in our insights. So you know, our confidence levels at this point are very high. But do these assumptions lead to illusions of insight? that further lead to blind spots about what we know about our consumers. 
Look no further than what happened with the election and the polls and the debate that it spurred around the use of data to understand intent. Make no mistake, no one is immune to the illusion of insight. It can happen with any type of business, with any type of data, big or small, with any type of method, qualitative or quantitative. Let me share a few examples. Sometime back, Lego believed that you know, after a lot of surveys and research, they believed that the new generation of digitally savvy kids would not find their time-consuming kits appealing. So they started making less complex products. It turns out that that was the wrong move, and sales drastically declined. So they went back, course-corrected, did some deep ethnographic research, and found out that these kids actually had a strong desire for mastery of a skill. So they went back to making complex products. A very large insurance company that we spoke with believed that their millennial customers wanted to engage with them only through digital channels, and they were all ready to, you know, with their slew of digital tools and apps to engage the segment. It turns out that their millennial customers were calling their call center the most to talk to a real person before they bought insurance. In these examples, there was insight. There was insight about changing demographics, insight about you know, channel preferences. Yet why did this insight lead to illusions of what these companies knew about their customers? I think this quote captures it beautifully. Daniel Borstein is a historian who said that the greatest obstacle to discovery is not ignorance. It is the illusion of knowledge. These examples are reminders to us that insight does not equal knowledge. We as marketers think that it does, as Anjali pointed out earlier, your consumers are motivated by completely different things than what your insights may indicate. There are two primary reasons why marketers often confuse insight with knowledge that lead to these illusions. The first is our unwillingness to accept that marketing is a soft science. The use of data, analytics, experimentation, statistics, and marketing is very different from some of the social sciences or the hard sciences like physics and chemistry. Don't get me wrong here. I'm not advocating for less use of data and analytics in marketing. I'm calling for a reset of expectations. Marketing is a soft science because every day your analysts and data scientists are dealing with these human psychological and statistical biases that lead to illusions of insight if they don't account for them in the way that they analyze and interpret data. Let's take the classic correlation is not causation. You have to guard against making conclusions like one analysis that said, a shortage of pirates in the world causes global warming. Maybe it does. Or the classic confirmation bias, where we have a tendency to seek out and interpret data that confirms our pre-existing beliefs. There is yet another type of bias in this new AI-driven world that we have to consider, which is algorithmic bias. This is the bias that is inherent in code and data sets and training data that you're data scientists are using to create these machine learning algorithms. Your values-based consumers will start watching for these algorithmic biases. For instance, a facial recognition software that misidentifies faces based on race and ethnicity. 
there is an MIT Media Lab run initiative called the Algorithmic Justice League that encourages consumers to report this kind of bias. That can also lead to illusions of insight. The second reason why marketers confuse insight and knowledge is we use precision and accuracy interchangeably. Having a precise result about a campaign um, or, or any other initiative is not the same as having an accurate understanding of user intent and behavior. Pinterest, for example, sent out an email campaign to single women congratulating them on their upcoming wedding. Pinterest was precise about this group of users who were pinning wedding-related categories on their boards, but not accurate about their life stage and intent. So ultimately, the models that we have come to rely on so much in marketing are a useful approximation of reality. And, and George Box, the famous statistician, said, went so far to say that all models are wrong, but some are useful. So if you're a marketer and you're asking your data science team, is this model true? That's the wrong question. The better question is, is this model illuminating? Is it useful? So how do we protect against these illusions of insight? I have three recommendations for you. The first one is to triangulate insight, is to boost confidence in the decisions that you're making. Use multiple ways of arriving at that insight and constantly refine and cross-validate that. Anjali mentioned this with our Techno360 product that we have. We're constantly triangulating just to make sure we've arrived at the same conclusion. Rely on multi-sourced mixed methodologies so that you can fill in the blanks about your customer understanding, check assumptions about things you thought you knew about your customer, and create new hypotheses for new analysis, minimize blind spots and risks. For instance, if you have a predictive model to understand why customers are leaving you, don't stop there. Go deeper with qualitative methodologies and focus groups to understand the deep motivations why customers are switching to your competitors. It's risky to rely on one method. A couple of years ago, Walmart surveyed their customers and asked them, would you like our stores to be less cluttered? Most customers said yes. So they went and reduced inventory, and same store sales declined. In contrast, you think for a company like Airbnb, they would rely on all of these data science and advanced analytics methods. But they actually combine UX research to understand user motivation with machine learning to get to insight in terms of how hosts accept accommodation requests on their platform. They triangulate insights before they make experience improvements on their platform. The second recommendation that I have to protect against the illusion of insight is to create a self-correcting system of insight to increase accuracy. So this self-correcting system of insight connects the right data with the effective action, and it's a closed loop of action, learning, and optimization. And why does this increase ac accuracy? Because you're constantly refining your understanding of what customers want. You already have a self-correcting system of insight through your optimization techniques that you're adopting on your websites and other digital channels. 
But don't treat that as a tactic. Use it as a strategy to embed experimentation into every process that touches customer interactions. Which is exactly what ShopDirect did. ShopDirect is a UK-based online retailer that has a vibrant company culture of experimenting on everything. They run 60 to 70 tests a month to constantly self-correct their insights about assortment, user behavior, digital engagement. Their system of insight is optimization, and they use that to protect themselves against the illusion of insight. The last recommendation that I have for you is to show your work to build trust. Open the black box. There are two aspects here. One is to show your work to build trust internally with your key stakeholders, as well as externally with your customers. In regulated industries, this is a must-have, not a nice-to-have. And as marketers working with partners and agencies, this is even more important. Let me give you a few examples here. This first company, uh, Etsy, invests a lot in inside socialization strategies. Their research group creates collaborative wikis, lunch and learns, insight roundtables to bubble up these illusions of insight that they have both within their team as well as across the organization. They get on the same page by sharing their work in terms of how they got to the insight. The second example I have here is Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix opens up the black box and actually shows the algorithms and the data that they use on their website. You can go to stitchfix.com and there is an algorithms tour. Who knew that algorithms could get prime time on a website? But they show how these algorithms work, how they use, what kind of data goes into their recommendation engine, how they make new styles, what type of data platforms they use, all for consumers and partners to see. They build trust and transparency into their work to protect themselves against the illusion of insight. So to wrap up, to protect your company against the illusion of insight, not just once, but continuously, triangulate insight to boost confidence in the decisions that you're making, just like Airbnb does with UX research and machine learning. Create a self-correcting system of insight to increase accuracy, just like ShopDirect did. And lastly, show your work to build trust among your internal as well as external customers, just like Etsy and Stitchfix did. So the next time you are taken on an endless line of questioning by a child or your colleagues, at least you'll know that you may be operating under an illusion of knowledge. Thank you. Your customers are changing rapidly and dramatically. Are you keeping pace? Join Forrester's analysts and over 500 marketing leaders at Consumer Marketing 2018 in New York on April 5th and 6th to hear the trends and challenges that you will face in the coming year. For more information and to reserve your seat, visit for.com slash consumer marketing 2018. That's forr.com slash consumer marketing 2018. Thanks for listening.